0: Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Excited to have on Ben, Ben Yaman, depending on the the, uh, company that he's keeping, uh, Wolf, who is an entrepreneur, he is a business consultant, and he is also the not the author, but the adapter of two of the most fundamental works that I am kind of always reading, which is the works that have been adopted by Rabbi Moshe Weinberger of Woodmere, New York. Uh, he is a longtime fan of his. He's an author. He's, he's the author of the very popular blog, Dixied, um, and just an overall impressive individual. We talk about the real spiritual changes that are going on in the jewish nation how he i mean he has an amazing story he was raised Reform, found out he wasn't halakhically jewish you know now he's a a business guy that 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 that, um is fully embracing hasidic teachings like it's it's a crazy story with a lot of very practical takeaways and also like amazing ideas of what it's like to be a conduit for one of in my opinion, the, the main thinkers of our generation, uh, Ravmosha Weinberger, someone who I find very inspiring and, and, and real and is, and is just a big general imp, inf influence and impactor in my own life. So with no further ado, Ben Ward. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast has been brought to you by me, Jacob Rupp, and Jacob Rupp's Consulting, uh, Technically Lift Your Legacy. Now, I have to be honest, I help clients often get out of their own way. And something that has really held me up was exactly the same thing that I was in my own way. For months, people have been saying, you know, talk about your coaching, talk about how you help people, share it, et cetera. And I had a really hard time putting it out there. Why? Because it's not that I don't think I do a great job. I've seen amazing results. From my clients, you know, 10x, even uh, more than that. Businesses, fixed relationships, um, helped people lose a lot of weight. People go on the path of of making goals and fulfilling their goals. All of these things. I know I do it, and I've been in the coaching space long enough to know that there's a lot of people that don't really deliver, and the ones that do really deliver are are worth literally their their weight in gold because so often we're held back by stuff. And it's just like, if only I could get over that, if only I could work through that. And I help people do that. But for me, my big holdup was sharing that I do this in a big way, in a public way, especially on the podcast, because it's awkward. I don't want people to think, Oh, I'm just making the podcast to to sell you stuff or to talk about stuff. So that, that's not what I'm doing. Um, my point is like this. My coaching business is expanding. I'm taking on a few more clients. If you are someone that is struggling in the area of self-esteem, goal setting, health relationships or your, or your business really, um, reach out. I don't know if we're a good fit to work with each other. What I can guarantee you is that we'll get on the phone for a half an hour, uh, I'll hear the kind of challenges you're having. You'll get a good feel if you don't know me yet of the kind of work I do, kind of program I would recommend for you. And if it's a great fit, we'll move forward. And if not, not. But I wanted to appreciate very much from the bottom of my heart, the fact that you guys all listen. I appreciate the amazing guests that I have. And I'm really thrilled to have broken through in my own life to the point where I could actually devote a segment to really make a somewhat long-winded, but I think very important advertisement. So if you want to reach out to me, the email is rabbi R A B B I Rup at Gmail.com. And the website is liftyourlegacy.live and at lift your legacy lift underscore your underscore legacy on Instagram. I think it's pretty simple. You you know where to find me because you found the podcast. Thank you so much. Ben Wolf, thank you so much for joining me. You are the founder and CEO of Wolf's Edge Consulting. Um, but more, I guess more importantly for me. Uh, you are the author of two of my favorite books, which are various collections of teachings from Rabbi Moshe Weinberger, who is the Rabbi of Aish Kodesh in Woodmere, New York. Welcome, thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here.
1: I would just clarify I would, I would say I adapted the teachings rather than authored them just because uh, you know the, 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 they are based on the teachings of Rabbi Weinberger, and i 'm adapting things that he said verbally orally in synagogue on shabbos and uh, adapting those to you, know, you say one thing's in a written form and other things you know, you say it in a different
0: way orally so adapting it to written form but it's not my uh, not my own not my own work absolutely so you have an amazing story and um nachem siegel who is also a guest on this show interviewed you and i would love to have people go over and see that background, growing up as a reformed Jew, you found out you're not halakhically Jewish, you, you yeah. became more observant, you became a rabbi, you learned for a thousand years, and now you're an entrepreneur living in, uh, in Woodmere, New York, with your family. I think the first question that pops into my mind is, you've seen the spectrum of the Jewish world. Uh, really, across the board, from the y u world to the you know to 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 all kinds of different things, and right. involved in business now and entrepreneurship you 're launching your own podcast as well why like why hasidic judaism what was it or what is it about Hasidic Judaism that most speaks to your soul now and that you feel that you 've at least for this time kind of come home and really found your stride that it supports your jewish spiritual life and also promotes your your business and entrepreneurial ventures all right well that's a that's a nice seven or
1: eight part question so uh i'll, I'll, have, to, I'll have to figure out where to where this start but um i guess i would say i mean what is it what is it that they got me interested in big thought basically initially uh i would say that uh it comes down to something very similar to what got me interested in Judaism in general. You know, like I said, I, uh, or like you said, excuse me, I, uh, I grew up in a uh, reformed Jewish uh, home. I have wonderful parents, a great household in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was involved. I went to Sunday school. I went, I was, I was confirmed, went on our confirmation trip to New York. That was interesting. But um, the uh, one thing that, one thing that I noticed over the years and I just thought this was a feature of Judaism, not uh, not a bug, uh, was that you know whenever whenever we learned the explanation of like why why we do this, why do we do this ritual, why do we shake the lulav on Sukkot, or why do we do whatever it happens to be, it was always a very short like one-line pat answer. You know, it's well it's to shake the lulav in the six directions to remember that God is everywhere all around us. And that was it, and, you know, and so from kindergarten to you know, till confirmation in 10th grade, uh, you know, it was, it was always the same thing. I just thought, okay, you know, Judaism is a simplistic uh, religion. It's very simple. And um, when I met some Orthodox kids for the first time when I was in 10th grade at this, you know, youth group overnight weekend called a lock-in in, in, in Nashville, there were kids from the Orthodox conservative reform all over the place. I was in the reform youth group uh, chapter board and I met some kids there. Um, And so I was a very open-minded liberal person. So of course, I you know, that applied to Orthodox Jews as well It's like kind of exotic. So, uh, you know, I asked them stuff. Why did they do this? Why did they do that? Why you know and uh, The answers that they give for why they did things were nothing like the simplistic answers that I had always had for whatever it was that I knew that we did Um, and that just that just Just blew me away. It was totally fascinating to me that these, like you know, ninth, tenth, eleventh grade kids, you know my own age, just had these like thought out and explanations and back and forth and nuance, and it was just so much deeper than anything that I that I had been exposed to before. So the Torah is deep. That was actually the initial attraction to Judaism for me.
0: Can I just point out, can I point out two points that I think are absolutely fundamental so that nobody glosses over that? I think the first point that you said, which is so important is this idea of being open-minded to everything. And I think we live in a world where if you vote a certain way or you wear a, color, a certain color shirt or whatever it might be, it's like, that's off limits. You can't look at those people as rational human beings. You just have to sort of justify their, their beliefs based on some kind of a fluke in their, in their upraising. And you said, no, I'll actually talk to them. I think that's, very important. And the other thing which is which is amazing is that I think in the in the world today, social media, whatever you want to say, that we're all looking for hacks, that there's someone out there that's gonna answer something that you didn't know. And rather than that, it sounds like the biggest point of inspiration for you is realizing that it's really about seeing something that's internal, if you want to call it Judaism, you know, you call it Judaism Torah, this, this. How you were raised from a new light. So it's not like you had to go, you know, to India to learn something else. It was just a matter of getting enough um, sophistication to look back at your own tradition, your own heritage, and kind of figure things out from there. Right. And I, I mean, I didn't
1: necessarily think of it at the time as being uh, as being part of the same religion. I mean, I guess you know, yes, it's two flavors of Judaism. It's like a different denomination. Um, but uh, I didn't really look at it as going back to my something of mine. I looked at it as something out there. And, uh, you know, just like I'd be open-minded to learn about a Buddhist person and their religion. I'd say, okay, the Orthodox Jews, too. That's very interesting. And it was actually that first night that it somehow, I don't remember how, came out in conversation, like, oh, so according to that, you guys don't consider me Jewish at all, like, because, because, of, uh, because my mom converted reform before I was born, and, uh, and so you don't actually consider me Jewish. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Okay, noted. I mean, you know, I'm not Orthodox, so it doesn't mean anything to me, but very interesting. I mean, I wasn't like offended or anything. I'm just like, okay, everybody has their beliefs. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, so I, again, just to sort of go back to your question, I, uh, the thing that got me about Judaism was that it's deep. And then what I, what I found was over the years, so I became, you know, so then I became religious and it was amazing. I went to NCSY, it was, it was awesome. And then, I uh, met lots of Orthodox kids all around I went to yeshiva university. Then I went to Israel for the year and finished yeshiva university. And throughout this whole process, um, I would like see things in the Talmud, in the Gemara, or I would see these stories or these just cryptic statements, uh, or even Rashi or the, or the Torah, and the, you know, the Torah portion would say something that I was just like, I feel there's, a, there's, there's something going on. There's something more going on there. There's a deeper part of the story, I feel like, but I don't know what it is. I don't know how to decode it. Um, and so then I would look at it rashi you know the fundamental commentaries of the torah i would look or on the gemara i would look at the commentaries on the you know uh, Agadic portions of the talmud i would look you know in the uh, look at whatever commentaries i could find in a you know in the original hebrew in a in uh in wherever i was and nobody spoke about it everybody spoke about the Maharsha. everything you look at in Yaakov was all going on the simple meaning of whatever it is just like just telling you the simple meaning of the story without going into the deeper meaning of it and i was just like I was like, okay, maybe, I really feel like there's something more here, but nobody's talking about it, so maybe it's not really there. Maybe it really is this simple. Um, and maybe it's not really hinting at something deeper. Um, and then the, the, the first hint I got that there was really something more going on is uh, is, is a book that you do find in, in the more Lithuanian style, yeshivas, uh, called Orgedali Yahu by Rabbi, by Rabbi Gedali Yashor, uh, who, was the, uh, who was the dean of Yeshiva Torah Vadas, you know, well-known yeshiva in Brooklyn, and he had a kind of a Hasidic background, and he would explain things in the Torah portion that were just uh, just a lot deeper. was like, hey, you know what? That's what that's what I thought. That that's something like that's a little bit of what I thought was out there. Um, and then my uh, and then around that time, I uh, I met my I met my wife. We started dating, and she's like, oh my gosh, you have to go to this. You have to go to this um, rabbi. I go to hear him speak every Thursday night in. Yeah, in the Young Israel of, uh, of Queens Valley in Kew Garden Hills, New York, in Queens, uh, which is near where she lives at the time, and she's like, "You got to go hear this Rabbi speak." I go him every Thursday night, Rabbi Moshe Weinberger. It's amazing. So I went. I was okay, you know. I went. You know, we, we went in at separate times, so people wouldn't know a guy and a girl together. God forbid. And um, and uh, and you know, it was nice. And then I started working for an organization after we got married called Hashivani with Rabbi Yehuda Zakatinsky. I don't know if anybody's familiar with them. Um, and, uh, and he was good friends with Robert Weinberger for a long time. And he got Rabbi Weinberger to come to his first couple of retreats. And since I was working for the organization, didn't have a lot of money. Cause I was, in, you know, in post post uh, marriage studies. And, and, uh, I went to, uh, I went to this retreat and Rabbi, Rabbi Weinberger was speaking and I knew who he was cause I I'd heard him speak once. And, uh, and I just, it just blew me away i mean i could tell you i could tell you the topics of some of the speeches he gave that over over 20 years ago it was uh, it was unbelievable it just blew me away and i was like this this is what i thought was out there like this, this is what this is what it is and then shortly after that um so i went to more of his classes i like, started to get into it and then shortly after that i moved to des moines iowa for three years to join the community college of des moines i started the college outreach program started going to four different campuses um, some of them were almost two hours away from Des Moines where I was living. And so I was in the car a lot. Back in those days, there used to be this thing called tapes. So I don't know if anybody ever heard of it. But I went on uh, the website that the Rev Weinberger's people had and uh, ordered like 110 of his tapes. That's, so again, something you had to do in the old you went, days. You went, you went
0: all in on this one.
1: Yeah. So I got like, well, I also went all in on Rabbi Yazar Fran, just to be clear. I, I, you know, I got 100 of his tapes too. But so I would go and I would drive all around Iowa. to all these different campuses, and I would listen to Robert Weinberger's classes. I got like a selection of stuff that was applicable throughout the year, all the holidays, all the Torah portions, and um, and it it just honestly changed my life. It just changed my perspective on things. It taught a deep side of Judaism that I just was not, I just hadn't heard anywhere else.
0: Okay, um, so I, I gotta I gotta stop you here, and I want to okay. go back and sort of glean a couple of ideas from there. One thing okay. that I, I think is incredibly important, and I think that there is a wide variety of people that can take this into account. you know a lot of times as people become more observant, they want to reach a point where okay now i'm i 'm from and I can just be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that sense of longing, that sense of I know there's something more I know i could I could be better, I could find that Rebbe if you want that never disappeared, and I think had you just kind of said this is the kind of jew i am or now i'm from so therefore i'm going to toe the party line that you have never discovered this thing which which like you said not just changed your life but I, and i want you to like explain a little bit more what does what is a spiritually connected jew look like it, you know for the for the the newcomer or for the person that you know it, Learn stuff, Yomi. Nothing wrong with that. It's great. And and goes to synagogue, and you know, checks off all the boxes. Is that what Judaism means? Is that what it's supposed to mean? Is that what your experience is, or is there this like longing and this connection that you now have access to that you didn't necessarily before?
1: Well, you know, I guess to to, to to synthesize a little bit of what uh, of, of you know of what uh, you know Hasidus teaches, what Hasidic teachings. Say and what Rob Weinberger teaches is is uh, is that uh, that kind of checklist Judaism that you're referring to that it's just you know all Jude- if all Judaism is to you is a is a checklist uh, do this don't do that and as long as I can check off enough items on the checklist to feel socially acceptable in my, in my community or or to feel that I'm not going to hell then uh, then that's really all it's about. And obviously, from from the you know Hasidic teachings, just saying that it's not it's not what it's all about. It's about a, it's about connection. It's about connection with God, um, and and connection with all the, um, with all of the uh, pieces, quote unquote, of God that are all around you, which is other people. Um, and uh, and uh, so I guess you know there's a lot to talk about, but just to focus on one idea about what it means to be spiritually connected, or what it uh, what what I learned that it means is um is let's say uh you know let's just to take one fundamental example i would say is if you take the uh you know let's say you take the the Ramam's, Maimonides' approach to uh to uh, the, the idea of providence right so the maimonidean idea of providence many other the and, and, and authorities is is that it is um is that there's kind of a universal providence that god has over Species and uh, and taking care of nations and species and just on a very broad level the laws of nature and setting it up um, and that's it there's no divine providence over the over the over the little details of every individual's life um, even for even for Jewish people even for whatever it is um, but the but the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidic movement one of the one of the things that he emphasized that wasn't that didn't originate with him but one of the things that he emphasized is the idea of divine providence over every detail over de- every detail of life of every individual. Um, and that's, you know, it, on one hand, at, the, at first glance, it may sound like, a, oh, that's an interesting philosophical uh, debate, very academic and interesting. Um, but what does that do with my life? And the truth is, it affects uh, that, that difference in perspective affects uh, every aspect of life. Because the question is, uh, when you go through something, when you have an interaction with somebody, when, when a problem, when you went into a problem, when you went into a crisis, uh, or even a small problem in life, is that does that have meaning? Is that is that or is that just a fluke of uh, of the laws of nature? God set up a bunch of rules in advance at the beginning of creation, and does those rules just kind of ha- happen to uh, cause an effect, cause an effect, happen to lead to this moment? Or does that have meaning? Is there a purpose in that? Um, and so the idea of divine providence on every detail of life essentially means that everything's on purpose, everything has a meaning and a reason. Uh, we don't always know what that reason is, and very often, especially the harder and more difficult uh, topic we're talking about, we always have to say that we have, can't even imagine what the reason could be. Why should this happen? But um, let's talk about the 99% of life for most of us, which is, you know, which is which is not in that range, um, is uh, is it, uh, it it affects life? There's a there's a there's a concept in, in this and this kind of goes that you asked earlier also about um about uh, you know entrepreneurship and business and day-to-day life um and how does hasidic teachings come into that and i guess what i would say is that um is that uh is that there's a, there's a concept in, in in halacha in jewish law called l'chadkhila and bidiyeved which means you know is uh how things should be uh, how things should be done the proper way to do something and bidiyeved is okay, you didn't do it the right way, so like, you know, whatever, you're stuck. Here's like this, you know, plan B. Here's the second best way to do it, you know, or the fifth best way to do it. And that's bidiyevah. That's, you know, uh, that's not ideal. Um, and so what we tend to think of is there's certain things, you know, if you study Torah 16 hours a day until you're 58 years old, like that's l'chad chila. That's That's the ideal way to live. And if you either don't have the head or the money to be able to do that, then, uh, then uh, and you're kind of, you kind of your whole life is basically, just a Plan C. You know, it's just you know, okay, you know, just try not to go to hell, basically. You know, just trying not to, not to, not to mess it up too much. And and um, just my, to point my, out because not living an ideal life.
0: No, but and 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 just to point out also how pervasive this concept is. That when you read stories about you know the great sadiqim and how worried they were about the smallest sin, and you compare that to our life. Absolutely. It's not just like try to avoid hell. You're like, I'm going to hell no matter what. It's just like, how long do I want to burn for? Or, you know, right. I, I'm going to burn for a long so time. Try to keep it under
1: 2000 degrees. basically. Right.
0: Which you and even that you feel like, I mean, it's just the, the practical experience. And, and it's like, it's sad in a lot of ways, but it's very true. And I think this is how a lot of people's spiritual life is, is it's just like this resignation that you are really screwed up. God is really upset with you. And right. no matter what you do, it's not good enough. And, and, and I think that that's, that's a crucial point to at least call out, like you're saying that so many of us, for whatever reason, have that, that mantra going through our mind, that it's no wonder that we look at Judaism and don't see, like, I don't want to learn more because I'm just gonna have to do more stuff or, or whatever it might be. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, keep going.
1: Yeah, no, no, that's, uh, that's cool. It's, um, it makes sense. And, uh, uh you know just w- w- what you're saying just reminded me of another story because there there are stories where you learn where you learn the opposite i mean there's a story i forgot the name of the rabbi there's a famous uh, famous rabbi you know lithuanian style rabbi you know who was the rosh Hashiva, and somebody saw him reading the newspaper uh, on his shtender, meaning on his on his uh little whatever book holder upper thingy uh, he was he you know that you use usually for learning holy books and he was he was he was reading the paper on it a uh, secular newspaper, um, and so somebody so somebody asked him, uh, you know, holy, you're this holy, you know, you're this great rabbi. Why are you reading the paper? Uh, so he said that I'm reading the paper because uh, you know I'm a leader of you know hundreds of people, and if I don't understand what's going on in the world, then I'm going to have trouble relating to them, and they're not, and they're going to have trouble listening to what I'm teaching them and so therefore i uh therefore i need to read the paper it's like okay fine so you that's why you think it's not a waste of time to for you or you know or inappropriate even for you to read the paper but why do you have to do it on the stender why do you have to do it on the same uh on the same object that you use to study all the holy books all the time uh, so he said well if i'm supposed to be reading the paper because i just told you why i have to do that and that means it's God's will that I read the paper. And if I'm doing God's will, I'm doing a mitzvah. And if I'm doing
0: a mitzvah, then shouldn't I do it on a standard? Um, okay. I think I think that we're we're touching on something that is so absolutely crucial and that I think has only gotten increasingly more challenging for people based on just the, you know the media, the ability to, you know, really like capture a certain perspective of someone's life, and that becomes their whole life, you know. And and the way that the very, guy very, know, very very two dimensional, very one dimensional, right. And so then and so then a person that's multifaceted, it's like you know, it's not like my wife is thrilled for me to jump out of the bed at four in the morning and come home at eleven because you know we have these three hundred kids and someone has to help get the you know, get them out in the morning or you know I I need to exercise because like my body's gonna fall apart and you know it's like you have to hide that there's this there's this sense that we have to stuff our real selves into like under the gender so to speak and that concept is so phenomenal that Judaism was I again from my perspective never meant to flatten out and suck the life out of an individual but rather to enhance and figure out that each each component of your life as it serves into a, a bigger purpose is important and valid and that's kind of up to you to do
1: yeah absolutely and you know and 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 when you take that into when you take that into your uh, life at home or life at work or life in the gym or what, whatever it is so then you know you take this out know, you have to take you know or the idea of this you know this Hasidic teaching or this teaching based on the Baal Shemto is that you are not uh, you're not you're not looking at it that, that well look if if if, uh, if I look at the let's say you look at work right I, I was born with a I was born with a certain set of proclivities interests talents uh, strengths, weaknesses, um, and uh, upbringing, environment, parents, uh, whatever. You know, I was born with a, a whole set of factors that led me to be or led me toward whatever field I ended up going into uh, or led me toward or away from this and toward that. And there's uh, there's a whole set of factors. And if I understand that there's divine providence in every detail of life, then I understand that it's not a coincidence that I – uh, like running around and talking to people so that's why i went into sales as opposed to like sitting in front of a book or you know being an analyst or a, or a stockbroker or, or, or a rabbi or whatever it is but i you know i you know i'm a hyper guy i love go, you know walking around talking to people making connections um, and that, that's why it gave me a kick setup so you know who do you think is the one that made you that way you know that, that essentially ended up pushing you in that direction that you went into sales as opposed to uh, as opposed to something more academic or cerebral and, um, and, uh, and so, you know, what that says is that, is that, so what that basically means is that it's, it's God's will in my life and my circumstances for me to, uh, for me to work in sales, to make, you know, to, to, to build the world and, and give other, you know, give other people, uh, give other people a living and, and just build the world and, and make things more constructive in the, in the world through, uh, through what it is that I'm doing every day. And that's not Biddy That's not, Plan C because I because I didn't have a head for the academic side. God's the one that made me like that, so that means it's His will
0: that I be doing this. And uh, you you want to add something as you lean forward? No, no, it's 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 so interesting to point out, and I'm curious if this. I I think there's a certain um, amongst certain people uh, a a desire to reflect. You know, certainly when a person's thinking about you know the the Hasidic concepts and, you know, to, to look a certain way and to be a certain thing. And what you're saying is so fundamental. I'm curious how, and I, and and I I, Rabbi wondered, you know, is that if, is an extremely humble person in the sense that, you know, like he, I I don't think he'd ever come on the podcast because like, you know, like he doesn't see him, his message is important because he's connecting with people, but he, he's a very humble person. Um, And I'm, so I'm curious as a student of his, what was it about his unique style that rather than, put on the kind of hat that he wears or grow the kind of beard that he has or wear the kind of coat that he has, you most embody his teaching by becoming someone that looks and does something completely different from him.
1: Well, I mean, anybody that has a connection with Robert Weinberger knows that, I mean, he's he's never, I mean, he, he's never, he would never say or even, with, or even unspokenly give someone the feeling that Well, you know, once you get to a certain level and you get to a certain point and you really graduate. then you got to start putting on the long coat or start, you know, start uh, growing out, uh, you know, long payas or whatever it is. He, uh, no one would ever get that feeling because that kind of thing is, uh, it's just external. It's, uh, it's superficial. It's, uh, it's, it has, uh, I mean, it has, it has, it has a tremendous value and there are reasons why those, why those customs exist. Um, and if you grew up that way, it would be kind of a, you know, a rebellious statement, maybe to get to give that up, uh, and probably better unless there's a compelling reason, which many people do have a compelling reason, but probably better not to, just to you know, just to stay the same externally, because it shows if you know if I just continue, you know if I grew up wearing a, a long coat and, and, and pay and with a shaved head, then you know if that's how I grew up, then to not change from that. Uh, is essentially saying that my focus is on what's internal. I'm not. I have no reason to change some random thing on the outside. Um, you know. By the same token, if I grew up wearing, you know, colored shirts and, you know, and whatever, clean shaven, then Rob Weinberger is going to be the last person to say that. Well, you should, well, he probably might say that he should at least get a trim here. But, but, uh, but, uh, but I only grow hair like right here. Right. <laughs> the, um, what's it called? So, uh, but uh, uh, on the chin. But I uh, guess some people are listening to the podcast, so I don't want to, but um, anyway, so, you know, the, the focus on the external, so he's not, I mean, you know, just, there, there's, there's, I mean, you go to his classes, you, it just wouldn't occur to you that, oh, I have to, I have to look Hasidic like he does. You know, it just, it's not something that would occur to a person.
0: One of the things that I also found fascinating, there's a whole, you know, back and forth, the, this idea of neo-Hasidus, and, and as a person that put out his Torah, his books, in a, I believe it was a very mainstream Jewish publishing, you are sort of a yeah. catalyst. It was self-published, but yeah, it was distributed by Feldheim. So if you're having Feldheim distribute your work, you are bringing this perspective to, to mainstream Orthodox Judaism. Your books are in all of the, you know, major bookstores and, and, and online. And I guess the, the, que- the question is, have you felt pressure or backlash from this I guess, kind of internal turmoil in the Jewish world about like, you know, what is the best way, what is the best messaging to go out to reach people? Is it, you know, kind of the traditional system? Is this, this new thing? You know, how have you, how have you dealt with, and has there been any kind of blowback to you publishing his books in such a mainstream forum? Uh, I, you know, I'm sorry. I, I don't, I
1: haven't had any. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a main, I'm not, first of all, I'm not a main proponent of, of anything that Rabbi Weinberger is teaching, it's you know I, I don't know <laughs> just, I'm not that I'm not that much of, I'm not I'm just not that important I guess in, in the in the in the in the movement out there. Um, the only thing I personally experience uh, is is uh, is positivity and it's additional connections and people reaching out uh, if they see you know my blog where I posted you know some of those this Shabbos morning speeches or uh, or the books or whatever, you know, whatever else people see me in the, the Jewish home every week, uh, having adapted, you know, his, his, his speeches. Um, the only thing i ever experienced is, is positive feedback The people who just, you know, when, you know, when connections like with you, with you, Robbie Rupp, just to, uh, you know, people reaching out because I have some, you know, just to like by transitive property, you know, talk to this, uh, schlub who talks to Robbie Weinberger. So then, you know, I get a little bit closer to Robbie Weinberger, I guess people think so. The uh, so that's it's so it's only it's only benefited me and created more connections and opportunities. I haven't really seen that again. So I mean, once in a while, I see a Yeshiva World blog post with you know like a, with a with a toxic comment section or or something like that, but uh, not that often.
0: I, I I wanted to make that explicit only because I believe that for so many people, especially someone like you or myself who did not grow up in the in the movement and have now this you know massive channel called social media that we're able to reach out and not just talk to our peers or our parents but like you know quote the orthodox world as a whole um that there is such a need to i guess toe the line and not necessarily speak about what actually works for you and i guess it's just a tremendous sense of encouragement that this is something that touched your soul this is something that touches your soul and and it is a big part of your own personal journey and what makes you who you are now and you didn't let that stop you from sharing it with everybody and the end result is that i believe and again i'm 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 obviously extremely biased but i think that the general conversation gets a lot better and that we shouldn't be afraid as balichuva as 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 garim as converts as as even as people that grow up in the system to express our unique self of what works for us, what speaks to us. And there's a good chance that people would actually benefit from knowing about that.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I, you know, the, truth, the one thing I think I did do is I, I, I did a couple years ago, publish some articles in Ami magazine and in Hamo Diaz magazine, Indian uh, at home with Inyan, and, uh, you know, which are very kind of, you know, ultra-orthodox you know, kind of right-wing black hat uh, publications and uh I, I did publish some articles in there and and you, you do have you do when I, when you're actually really explicitly talking, not just to people who who come find you and they seek you out, but you're actually going to kind of going to them their own publications on their turf. Uh, I think you know I, I you do have to uh you do have to uh you have to be very circumscribed and you have to realize that you need to take baby steps with people and if they're if they're coming from a different perspective, um, then you need to you need to take baby steps You need to, to just, you know, be more subtle and, uh, you know, maybe just, just tackle a small piece of the, of the issue without, you know, without trying to take them too far. You know, I, 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 I didn't, uh, like, I I think I, one of the articles, I forgot if it was in Hamodia or, or me, I, I did, po- I did, uh, did I, I think I might've even quoted Rav, Rav Mitzchak Cook. I think I might've quoted Rav Cook by name even. I use his name. I don't know. But you have to just be very. You have to just give them little pieces at a time. You know, you can't. You can't stretch people too far. You have to respect the fact that change is is hard and learning new perspectives is is challenging for anybody. You know, myself as much as anybody else. And and uh, to take take people. You know, take people slow. Don't try to push them too hard, or, or or take some extreme position and then blame the other guy for like, oh, why can't you be more open minded? Oh, no. Of course you can't. You
0: you're, right. you're doing too much too fast. Okay, amazing Ben. I, I want to respect your time. Please tell tell the listeners how they can find out more. I know that you have an exciting podcast that is that is out or coming out, and and all of the other ways they can find your amazing content and the work that you do transcribing Rabbi Weinberger's. Okay, so I'll just
1: say that um, I guess you know just on a, on, the, uh, on the on the on the Jewish side, uh, not posting that much right now, but you could see a lot, a lot of stuff from Rabbi Weinberger from since two thousand six. On my blog, which is Dixie Yid. Again, I am from Nashville, Tennessee. So, in honor of that, I named the blog Dixie Yid. Uh, so, if you just Google Dixie Yid or go to Dixieyid.blogspot.com, uh, you can uh, you can see about that. And on an entrepreneurial side, I do have a uh, I do have a I do have a um, uh, consulting company where I help I help companies uh, I help companies do similar to, uh, to to what I was involved in my last company, where I where I joined a, a healthcare startup, pre-launch until uh, so we grew after three years to the largest uh, the largest and fastest growing uh, uh, home care startup of its type in the uh, pa- patient-directed home care space in uh, throughout all 62 counties of New York State and with in-person coverage. Uh, and 130 employees after three years, it was very successful. So we, we used a system of tools and processes called entrepreneurial operating system, EOS. Uh, so I have a consulting business now where I help other companies They reach to the next level to get traction, stop treading water. Through that system, and that's Wolf's Edge Consulting. So you can check me out at wolf'sedgeconsulting.com. Um, and uh, I guess that's it. Dixie, it, and Wolf's Edge Consulting. That's it.
0: Amazing. Ben, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ravi Rope. It was a pleasure.